thank you so much for having me. I and Rajiv go back a very long time. When this book was first launched, you know, I was a deputy director research. <laughs> I was deputy director research in the Vivekanand International Foundation. And the director then was the legendary uh, Mr. Ajit Doval, Kirti Chakra, the now the National Security Advisor of India, hands-on uh, National Security Advisor, uh, you know, most active, rather I would say proactive in matters of that pertain to India's national security. And he told me that this is a book that must be a primer. And we must do everything in our power to propagate its central message, its forecast, its warning forecast, because the nation needs to be sensitized. The nation needs to know, as my friend Arnab Goswami is fond of saying, the nation needs to know. I think we need to know. We are under a concerted informational attack of trying to speak out and, you know, widen our fault line, identify every fault line in Indian society and make sure that it is used to break up India. So the title of the book was explicit Set breaking India. Because that exact had been started by the British, shaken them to the core. They never anticipated that a society so cast, uh, you know, dominated by divisions and fault lines of caste, creed, language, religion, resistance to British rule, to British penetration of our society to British attempts at proselytizing, right? And they were shaken. So they managed to, they managed to quell that revolt. Unfortunately, we had no unified leadership. The only ranks primarily, which was very strongly affected a bit in the Bombay Presidency Army and not so much in the Madras Presidency Army, though a little bit, yes. But uh, the fact of the matter was that uh, it was the Indian soldiers who revolted. And the Indian soldiers, the highest rank that they held at TOs, Havaldars, Nayaks, and Lot Naikas, the military training, the kind of uh, vision with which they could have, you know, led that war at the level of general. Because Catapulting the man much. And therefore, the revolt took place in bits and pieces. Had all the 80,000 Indian troops revolted at one time, the Raj would have been taken. And then the British very cleverly then used the Sikhs. The Sikhs had just been defeated by the poor Bayas, as they called them contemptuously, of the British Indian Army. And they, and they hated them for it. So they stayed out of this revolt and the British fully exploited that. And then 
Don't forget that the Sikhs were the military arm of Hinduism. It's revolt against the tyrannical Aurangzeb. It, it, it's sort of against Mughal tyranny. They were the, every family for the freedom from oppression. The British now, you know, integrated, absorbed the uh, Sikh mass scale into the British Indian army and the Punjabi Muslims and the hill tribes who had largely stayed aloof. And then they now insisted that recruitment to the Sikh regiment would be only for the Keshdhari, not the Namdhari. Otherwise, my ancestors were part of the Sikh, uh, you know, military renaissance. Bhai Mati Das, Bhai Thakti Das, they are from my family line. Banda Bairagi, Punjab. So, uh, all of, all the families in the Punjab used to contribute Pantan to the Khalsa to fight against Mughal over the uh, tyranny. And it's a fact that in one century, they had uprooted and overthrown the Mughal Empire and under Ranjit Singh, the Sikhs had gone and captured parts of Afghanistan. So all the territory of uh, West Pakistan now uh, was under uh, Sikh rule and they had gone up to Jalalabad in Afghanistan and they held it, they ruled it. Hari Singh Nalwa was the governor. So the first fault line that the British created was between the Hindus and the Sikhs. And they are now trying to widen this fault line to resuscitate some kind of a terrorist movement in the Punjab under Kashmir Khalistan project. They are to somehow spark off in the Punjab. Uh, they, it's not for want of trying. The next fault line that they really addressed was the caste fault line. Please don't forget that after 1857, the British, and for this they said, identify every fault line in the society and break it up so thoroughly that it will never get together for a combined revolt against the Raj. The most significant fault line that they identified was of caste. The word caste comes from the Portuguese word casta. There is no word called caste in the in Sanskrit, in Hindi. There is no word, there was no word called caste till the British introduced it by using the Portuguese word casta. And, you know, the first uh, author of the first uh, uh, caste-based census in India. Uh, you know, uh, the name is just slipping. It will just come back to me. But he famously went on record to say he held the first caste-based census in 1872. And he famously went on record to say that as long as there is caste, there will be no India. Sir, today your political, entire political discourse is dominated by caste and caste equation. And all political parties are fighting on the basis of caste. You have your students stuck in Ukraine. Why did they have to go there? Because 50% medical colleges are reserved on the basis of caste. 
The British never had added an economic dimension to caste. You've done it and congratulations to you. You split this country in a, such a thorough manner that even the British could not achieve that. Now the British are only trying to widen those caste fault lines. You've given them that opportunity. You know, why can't we shift from the uh, shift from the sub-identity of caste, go back to, uh, uh, you know, if you want to carry on with affirmative action, with reservation, if you can't live without it, it was meant to be for a short time, even a maid car said so. He had a time horizon of 20, 20, 30, 40 years. This has gone on for 75 and at this rate, it will go on for 7,500 years. I mean, this is utter nonsense. Why can't you make uh, reservations in colleges, in jobs, based upon the economic criteria? Help the poor industrializes, when a society urbanizes, caste becomes irrelevant. It was stuck into the uh, into the agricultural era. You are trying to make caste, you've given it a new lease of relevance post-independence, which is despicable. It is horrible. I mean, the colonial masters, we can understand their need to divide and rule. Why are you doing it to to the fault lines, caste barriers, the, uh, the RSS was at the forefront of that effort and soon they burnt their electoral fingers in, in Uttar Pradesh, I mean the bastion of caste and in Bihar and other places and they quickly recoiled and they went back and their caste calculation, OBC, Maha OBC, etc., etc., far more uh, uh, complex than it was in the British period. We just can't to seem to get ourselves above the fault lines that the British imposed upon us, and now they are available to each and every one of our adversaries to exploit to the end. And the worst fault line in this caste equation is the scheduled caste and scheduled tribe fault. Scheduled caste have been activated now in a very major way. Bhim Army, Panther Army, etc. You know, whole host of front line was first uh, uh, exploited in Nagaland, Manipur, Mizoram, Assam, Bodos, you see, Boros as they call themselves. And then it has now spread to central India, to the Bheel, the Korn. The Mundas, the, all the Central Asian tribes are in full-scale revolt, instigated from outside and aided and abetted by our own uh, uh, stupidity. And it has become so lethal that in one ambush, the Maoists have killed 75 CRPF troopers, which is being celebrated in some colleges and universities. The left is the biggest rearguard of the empire that we have seen. They are trying to, they took charge of our academia. Why India ceded its academia to left and, uh, you know, religious uh, rear guard, I cannot understand. We handed over our syllabi, we handed over our this thing and 
three to four education ministers in a row were from a particular community and it had its toxic impact it had its toxic impact so the this uh, you know the caution also find this extension in the north out three for you the max mullers and the you know uh, more uh, more timer wheelers they rewrote your history they foisted a history on you that the indus valley civilization was derivative that the aryans were invaders so what was the rationale for this uh, historical uh, infliction chor chor busere bhai tum chor hum bhi chor you are invaders we are invaders so what are you bitching about what are you craving about colonial british colonial india shows it there is no difference in the genes north and south of the indians there is no difference you know and if there was in tamil literature any record of a retreat from the indus to you know the kaveri and the krishna and the godavari you know it finds mention the rivers that you cross find mention and you impose your set of names you get the old names and impose them on the new rivers that you come to it's utter nonsense now we have found the first denial was there was no saraswati river because the saraswati existence of the saraswati demolishes the entire aryan invasion argument we have got satellite imagery evidence we've got you know the paleological studies evidence etc etc genetic evidence to show that there was a saraswati and what is more likely is that there was an out of india migration not an into india migration so that takes care of that dravidian fault line but as uh, rajiv pointed out so presciently and i'm talking of a decade plus back when this book was released in the vivekanand international foundation it was like a seismic event and the then uh, director of the foundation was very keen that this should be spread all over in fact i must uh, the first chance that i get go back to him and remind him to make sure that this is introduced into the syllabi of the sardar patel ips academy of the lal bahadur shastri academy at at uh, masuri and uh, rajiv i would request you that the time has come for you to come back to india on your on on a crusade on a crusade to spread this mission to sensitize the people sensitize the bureaucracy the local people may i assure you rajiv through the social media this has become the dominant narrative the people are very very well aware and now the bjp rss are making it road south of the vindhya karnataka is with you today etc and we will go further south because these species you know narratives created foisted on us by the british are getting demolished but that demolition exercise now must acquire an urgency and for which you will have to come here you will have to come here 
you will have to preach to our bureaucrats to our ips guys we'll try and see if we can get you towards the national defense college where the brightest and the best of the armed forces come and in fact you must speak there because they also have people from ips ifs you must speak to the ifs academy how is it that they don't know about indian narrative how is it that those youngsters are totally totally brainwashed by the court historians they quite obviously to pass his exam romila thapar is the caste queen to pass his exam of the of the independence movement you know it is uh, it is bipin chandra pal that that court boot licker and now the raman chandra gohas of the world and you know the irfan habibs and the others of the world who have dominated the narrative if any guy has to get into the ias the textbook is romila thapar the textbook is irfan habib the textbook is bipin chandra pal and the highest levels of distortion are in ancient indian history and in modern indian history the freedom struggle the role of netaji subhash chandra bose who wanted to take this country beyond caste creed language ethnic uh, barriers and fault lines is the greatest contribution of that man had he taken charge we would have had a different india today we would have a modern country instead of a caste bastion a bastion of caste more deeply entrenched than it was in the times of the empire thanks to these leftist subaltern historian these foot soldiers as you call them of the empire this this deserta uh, you know this leftover of the empire who've taken it upon themselves to see that these brown you know people these black non white people cannot change a word of what max muller said did max muller have access to satellite data did max muller have access to paleo channel mapping did max muller have access to the kind of archaeological evidence that bb lal and the others and bisht and the others have taken out did he have access to radio carbon dating you see this is that slavish colonial mindset they have psychologically enslaved you you've not been able to break those psychological chains that you still think max muller is the last word what the hell was he what was his claim to fame as per him the world started in 4500 bc so how could the vedas have come anything earlier than 1500 bc back of the annual of calculation gospel truth dare you try and change your uh, rajiv seven years of bjp not one textbook has been changed rajiv you have to come back the kurukshetra is here the dharma kshetra is here i know we have reached through the social media and i'm glad you have revived i'm very sorry if you were unwell but i you look better now you look better now and may i call upon you you must and we will now target the decision pps academy the the national defense college the staff college because this narrative must be shared this narrative must be spread it must become the dominant you see the continuity the cultural business they found little terracotta dolls dolls of women with 
were billion in the center of party of the you found terracotta till in meditation posture dhi and yoga dhi for dhyana and yoga these are the hallmarks of the indian civilization they are by carbon dating 9500 years old and there are some evidence that it is even older ages are being pushed back in taipei and turkey and the other places they are being pushed back we must do some of this again beragar almost to 7000 years plus and the saraswati civilization is up to 9000 years plus at birana where the iit kharagpur did carbon dating they've done fluoride dating so when are you going to integrate this data to change the historical paradigm in the hard sciences physics chemistry biochemistry we've done a lot of advances our students are doing very well but in the social sciences we have a, a leftist liberal clique of foot soldiers tipoys of the raj which are holding sway and this government being in power after 7 years cannot change that because i find the bureaucracy is convinced that we can't change history with the change of every government we can't saffronize history sir we are not asking you to saffronize history we are asking you to put your history on an empirical factual basis of the truth the truth concerns us all you cannot inherit narratives from the empire which are designed to divide and rule which are designed to justify you know you know our 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 constitution rajiv it starts with uh, you know uh, it is by by the way a reprint of the 1935 government of india act right by and large by and large it doesn't start with liberty <laughs> social justice and let me delve a little into the background of social justice social justice came from a british concept of imperial justice what was imperial justice sir imperial justice was that the people of india are so fragmented socially linguistically ethnically caste wise you know creed wise etc 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 that they will keep squabbling amongst themselves and no government indigenous indian government will be above its caste uh you know uh, caste connection caste predilection or religious predilection or ethnic or linguistic predilection they will be unfair to the other the only people who can be just are the british so india can be ruled in a just fashion only by people from outside that was the imperial justice concept our constitution deftly changed the imperial justice to social justice and they said that the anointed rulers of india now is the nehru gandhi dynasty anglophiles anglophiles of the raj collaborators of the raj who must now rule they are only because they, i mean he was educated in eton and harrow you know old chap proper so proper he was only his that dynasty is fit to rule and they ruled almost 60 years they have ruled non stop it's only now that a churn has taken place and the social media thing because they had a stranglehold on the print media 
he had a stranglehold on the electronic media the doordarshan of that era you see now it is time for change now it is time that we must resume that charge a decade back you would come to us decade plus i think now it is when the vivekananda international foundation had hosted that book launch and now that book is more relevant than ever and i would just request you one word uh, rajiv because you are in the united states there is a professor mithi mukherjee uh, uh, who's written a book in the shadow of the rat one of the best accounts of british india shenanigans in this country and what it did to enslave us psychologically to dominate our historical narrative to spin doctor our history spin doctor our history and the raj the empire has just shifted from this side of the atlantic to the other side as you rightly pointed out you've been leading a valiant fight back in uh, in the other side of the new empire which seems to be tottering a bit <laughs> with the with what it has done in afghanistan and now in ukraine so i think we leave that tottering empire to itself get the battle back to where the key result area is in the indian subcontinent and health committee i would request you to now come in first there is there is a great amount that can be put across in a face to face interaction let them see you not just on their screen let them dominate you i would like you to dominate their heart and mind we have to fight a battle for the heart and mind of the indian population the ground is ready is receptive in the in the in the you know lingua franca in the local languages there is a lot of churn lot of change and uh, but like i said we need to target this time and i'll try and speak to uh, double time because there is now a need to see that we reach out to the decision to reach out to those who uh, you know very uh, uh, you know uh, they actually are doing it from a lot of uh, I, i suppose a sense of duty that we can't change history with every change in the government so they are quite convinced what is their history the history i read to pass my ias ips uh, irs exam that is the history sir that is our narrative and every nation has a foundational narrative of state we outsold we outsource this foundational narrative to the empire and what is left of it is now coming from where you are from the united states no country outsources its history the chinese history is not written by by the americans or the british nor is the russian nor is the french history why should the history of a cultural civilizational state the size of india the population of india be outsourced to london and now to uh, you know harvard or wherever so for that we fought valiantly there we've taken them on on their own intellectual turf shown them the hollowness of their argument by the over the paksha purva paksha approach now that approach has to be brought to india to 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 sensitize our bureaucracy police civil military to the truth 
for the truth rajiv nantanda sol more power to your pen i would request you to come out to the second enlarged edition of this where i would request if you can ask vithi mukherjee to add a chapter a uh, historical chapter to which is a seamless link between uh, uh, pre uh, you know between colonized india and post colonized india that linkage she has established very well and that deals with a lot of other things uh, take her under your wing your broad uh, shoulders and your very white feathers we would like you to fly to india thank, thank you, you jai bharat jai hind <laughs>